You worked all week. Work, 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 work. You didn't have time to look at your fantasy lineups. Son of a bitch. But don't be afraid. That's why we give you Weekend Fantasy Update. Number three on Weekend Fantasy Update. Thanks for joining me, Mike Blewett. My co-host, George Kurtz, uh, will be back in about 15 minutes because I'm going to bring in my friend and former co-host, Kevin Walsh. Uh, you can find him on Twitter at the Kevin Walsh. And he does a podcast called The Pickup with Kevin Walsh. And he and I are going to talk NBA. First of all, Kev, thanks for joining me. And I assume you had fun watching the NBA draft. Always a good night for NBA fans. Yeah, loved it. I uh, took off from work to uh, make sure I could focus up. I'm, I'm incredibly excited. I feel like I remember last year where when the NBA season was coming to a close and we were getting ready for that offseason, the both of us were kind of looking ahead already to this offseason, and I feel like the draft was the beginning of that whole process. Uh, yeah, so obviously what happened in the draft is going to set up things for free agency, and it's going to be nuts. But let's focus really on the picks first. Um, I don't know that we need to get into the top three all that much because I think they've been talking mm-hmm. about ad nauseum. Zion mm-hmm. and John Moran and R.J. Barrett, I, I've thought for months that the Knicks weren't going to win the lottery and they'd somehow end up with R.J. Barrett, and that kind of ended up happening. I'm fine with it. I feel like the Knicks have a plan. Uh, it doesn't matter that they're not going to be – well, first of all, we have to see what happens in free agency, and I think they're one of the teams that's in on Kevin Durant. Uh, I think they're going to be one of the teams that – does everything they can to get Kevin Durant. We'll see mm. what what ultimately happens. But um, you – look, I, we'll go a bunch of different directions. But I jokingly texted to you, uh, I think it was yesterday, that you love the Hawks now. You're a right. big Trey Young fan. You're a believer in Trey Young. Obviously, he had a really nice rookie season. And they add, by trading with the Pelicans, they add DeAndre Hunter. And they have a really interesting, and they draft Cam Reddish as well. They have a really interesting mix of young players now. Uh, give me your thoughts. You think the Hawks are sort of one of the big winners to come out of the draft the other night? Well, I think the Hawks are, are definitely one of the more exciting teams entering next season. They perfectly fit the description of what a lot of people call a league pass team, where uh, they maybe won't rack up a ton of wins, but all of their games will likely be fun. I mean, that kind of applied last year with Trey Young. I think one of the interesting things coming into this draft was to see who they were able to get at 10, because essentially it ended up being Trey Young and Cam Reddish for Luka Doncic. I think that that trade worked out equally fine for both sides. As much as I think that DeAndre Hunter is a good player, I do think the Hawks kind of botched that whole trade scenario with the Pelicans. First of all, I would have picked Jarrett Culver at four had I came up. Uh, and I was the Atlanta Hawks. I just think he's the better player. I think he would have been the better option. But uh, I think it's fair to wonder if DeAndre Hunter actually might have been available to them at eight. And for that, they would have been able to hold on to both 17 and 35. They gave up three picks in the top 35 when I don't know if they even needed to in order to land their guy. Yeah, speaking of Jerry Culver, 
in a in a trade that from Phoenix, Minnesota moves up to take Jared Culver. Now mm. he had a tremendous season at Texas Tech. He's obviously a freaky athlete. He played well in big games, uh, but. Are you a big believe? You're obviously a big believer in him and the mm-hmm. next level. It, it seemed to be for a lot of people, which I sort of hate when this analysis occurs, when people say, "Ah, it's a three-player draft," when mm-hmm. we just watched the Toronto Raptors win the championship with nobody that was a top draft pick. First of all, none of them were their own draft picks, with the exception of possibly right. and none yeah. of none of those guys were. Uh, picked before 15, including Kawhi Leonard. So, so it isn't a three-player draft. There will be somebody lower in this draft that may very well be a star or a superstar. Um, but Culver, it seemed to be for a lot of people after Zion, John Moran, R.J. Barrett, kind of muddled. Mm-hmm. DeAndre Hunter, Garland, Culver, Kobe White, all those players were kind of jammed together. Yeah, and I actually think that there is a legitimate argument that Culver might have been the second-best player in this draft. So to get him at six, I thought was phenomenal. The thing that I was hoping for, and again, you know this, you know I love chaos, is at about 6.30, the Timberwolves traded up to the sixth pick. And the report that they were interested in Garland, who ended up going five, and when it kind of seemed that they weren't going to be able to get him because the Cavs were going to take Garland, all of a sudden the Timberwolves were shopping the sixth pick, the pick they just traded up for, and I was praying that they somehow flipped the sixth pick for more that they actually had given up to get it. Ultimately, though, they got Jared Culver, who I think is a tremendous pick. I think another guy that fits the mold that you're talking about, uh, a later guy in the first round who could make a big impact, is uh, Matthias Thibault. Uh, who the Sixers ended up getting drafting. He's the only player, I think, in a single season uh, in the NCAA to have over 100 blocks and 50 steals. Uh, this guy has all-NBA defense potential, and he's going to be in a lineup with the Sixers where there's a number of guys that have all-NBA defense potential. So uh, I think that's a great fit, that fit. They had to move up a little bit to go get him, but I did like that move. The Thibault move, too, is an example of a little NBA espionage at work. Uh, the Celtics apparently knew that the Sixers were interested and ended up putting the Sixers' feet to the fire, drafted him, and then flipped him. Or really, yeah, drafted him for the Sixers and then flipped him. So uh, they extracted a little bit more value out of the pick. Boston did a nice job of moving around in the draft. They end up with Romeo Langford out of Indiana. Carson Edwards out of Purdue in the second round is a really good player. So they end up with a a bunch of smaller guys, but still they've added four players as they try to kind of rebuild from what appears to be Kyrie and Al Horford leaving with uh, Jason Tatum and uh, Gordon Hayward and Jalen Brown still there as well. But um, you mentioned Cleveland you have a problem with them drafting Colin Sexton and then Darius Garland, or do you not worry about positional need when your team's rebuilding like that? Well, I, I think that's fair, right? How much can the Cavs prioritize position when they need talent so badly? The interesting thing that came out is this is kind of by design, that Bayline wants to have two ball handlers. It's what he's used to at Michigan. I just – like, the, what's the best-case scenario for this? Is that one of them is Damian Lillard? and one of them is C.J. McCollum. Like, neither one of these guys are even close to prolific defenders. I don't even know if either one of them are close to average 
defenders. So you need them both to be superstars offensively to justify the pairing. That That's really where I have the hesitation and not to continue to bring it in, but with a guy like Jared Culver on the board for me, I thought that would have just made a little bit more sense. Uh, if if Baylon is set on having two primary ball handlers on the court at once, I don't know if the Garland-Sexton combination is going to be able to hold up on the other side of the ball to really justify it long-term. Neither of these guys is Damian Lillard. That's a lot to put on either of them. Well, but that's what I, I think they need to have I, you're right. that level yeah, of offensive like, production to justify what they're going to be defensively. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that's fair. Well, and um, so I'll stay with the Cavs for a minute because I want to talk about a few players that slipped in the draft and are mm-hmm. pretty curious to me um, because the Cavs ended up with one of the guys. First of all, they picked Dylan Windler out of Belmont. He goes 26 to them. Then they go with Kevin Porter Jr. out of USC. So Kevin Porter is, I think he was drafted by the Bucks and then flipped to the Cavs. I think that's sort of ended up what happened. By the way, I wanted to start out. I didn't even mention it. Do you think the NBA needs to change these rules with the players going up there with the wrong hats on and, and, and everything yeah. else? Uh, yeah. I, 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 I thought it was This awful. seems to be really the breaking did. point this year. Yeah, it, it, it was particularly awful for some reason it felt this year. I mean, the fact that when they – like there there's next to zero time in between them getting that hat, shaking the commissioner's hand, and then being interviewed by Maria Taylor. And the, at the interview with Maria Taylor, she's talking to them about – the team they're going to. And it's not the team or the hat that they're wearing. I mean, the whole thing looks so silly. And at the end of the day, walking that stage does mean a ton to these guys. And the fact that that lasting photo has them in an absolutely wrong hat, but everybody knew it. Like, it's not even the Natal Bridges situation. The trade ended up coming a couple of minutes after the fact. Like, I mean, for the love of God, we're DeAndre Hunter up there in a Lakers hat. At least give him a Pelicans hat. Right. So, right. Uh, And the Kevin Porter thing, I remember he got drafted. He's wearing like a green blazer, and it seemed like he was going to the box. And you find out. And I'm like, oh, wow, that's sort of a weird conspiracy. He wore the right jacket of the team that he's going to. And then uh, two minutes later, no, that's actually going to the Cavs because Woj comes Mm -hmm. on and and tells you the whole story. Um, But to stick with Porter for a second, he got the seventh most minutes on a USC, USC team that wasn't even on the map at all at any point during the year. Off-court issues, problems fitting in with the team. It is interesting to see guys like that still get drafted in the first round. So why, why is he deserving of a first-round selection? Yeah, I mean, it's, a, it's an upside play. Porter Jr. really started to kind of catch people's um, the summer leading up to his freshman year, he had some really nice flashes at the beginning of his freshman season. And then I think he kind of fell out of favor and it really took a tumble there. But uh, I think the chance to get him at 30, I believe the difference too between having a second round pick and a first round pick is an extra year on that contract, which is valuable. And you saw the Cavs paid a hefty price for it. four second round picks. And I think over $5 million in cash that they sent to the Pistons who actually had that pick, which, again, is how ludicrous 
that whole hat situation was. It wasn't even the Bucks who had that 30th pick that traded it right. to Cleveland. But I, I think that Porter Jr.'s upside, I, I like that play. I, I'll take that at 30, the, the talent, the potential you see there, especially in this draft. Um, I'm, I'm more than fine with that pick. Okay, second guy that plummeted in the draft. Nasir Little from North Carolina, mm. who obviously ton of hype. I think was he the McDonald's All American uh, MVP? Yes. McDonald's All American game MVP. Six, yeah, he six, killed six, all four. those wars. Right. So he's obviously another upside play. He had what everybody thought was a very disappointing season at North Carolina. Mm-hmm. The irony of all of this is that he ends up in Portland, which is a pretty good landing spot. They obviously were a team that tortured themselves against the Warriors but have a lot of talent there. We'll see what the moving parts do to them in free agency. But they have the two guards in McCollum and Lillard. They add him to the mix, and you made a point when you and I were texting that he actually could be an important cog to them being more successful in the playoffs in 2020. Yeah, I mean, Nasir Little's a guy I think that divided opinions coming into the draft. There's a lot of people that love the upside. There's a lot of people felt that he basically was just a bad basketball player while at UNC. But I remember the hype that he was able to generate in some of those All-Star games, and you can't put too much stock. But people, it's it's the it's the daring comp that people make now, and it it came obviously before he won Finals MVP. But people just love to throw out Kawhi Leonard when they look at someone that has elite physical tools and might be able to be a shutdown defensive player, and maybe there's offensive upside, they throw Kawhi Leonard out. Now, I'm not saying that's justified. I mean, Chauncey Billups gave about four or five different guys a Kawhi Leonard comp. But if Nasir Little can come out and play great defense for this team and just be a, I don't want to say a knockdown shooter, but just if he can just be 3 and D year one for Portland, that could be huge for a team that, it, I mean, I guess you have to put his perennial contenders to make a deep run within the Western Conference. Yeah. I mean, they challenged the Warriors this year in a, in a funky series where they just blew multiple 15-point leads. Um, Dame Lillard wasn't really healthy during that series either. Uh, so I, I do think he's an interesting addition. You just hope that he's able to kind of channel all of the talent that he was able to as a high school senior and was not able to as a college freshman. So last guy that slipped badly in the draft was Ball Ball. He gets traded. Denver trades for the right to draft him. He's a big man with foot injuries, and I think that's what scared everybody away, even though some metrics had him as a top 10 to 15 player. Yeah, I just yeah, at some point you figure out the risk-reward. I mean, Ball Ball, if he's ever able to be consistently healthy – I mean, there's a world that he's the second-best player in this draft class. I mean, the offensive potential for him is absolutely unbelievable. But unfortunately, just the nature of, uh, of his size, but just also the, the way his body is filling out, I don't know if we ever – I don't know if Bull Bull ever plays back-to-back games uh, in, in the NBA. And that's, and that's a sad reality, but he goes to a place um, with the Denver Nuggets that took this swing on Michael Porter Jr. last year kind of prepared for him to sit out for a full year. And they were able to deal with that. They had a very, very good season. So I think they'll be patient with Bull Bull. And, I mean, if he ends up giving them anything, a, a guy picked at 44, uh, I think that's an incredible win for the Denver Nuggets. I think you take that risk every single time. 
Yeah. Uh, six Canadians drafted. Shout out to Canada. The most by <laughs> one nation outside of the U.S. to have uh, that many players drafted. I think France did it uh, a few years ago. They had five players drafted in 2016. So shout out to Canada, R.J. Barrett, and uh, Nikhil Alexander, whatever his name is. <laughs> There's six <laughs> different guys that I can't. The Knicks got two Canadians. So uh, how about that? So they're, all right, they're diving uh, have, into the pipeline. To, yeah, that's right. I have to. I have to go rapid fire here. Where does KD mm. end up? I think he's going to end up still with the Knicks. Knicks, I think so too. Uh, Kawhi stays in Toronto. That'd be cool if he did. I'm not convinced, but it'd be cool if he did. It's really a perfect spot for him. I think it'll still be a short-term deal. It's a little off the radar. Not for five years, but I, I think it'll, I think it'll be uh, yeah, one on one or even a two plus one. Yeah, uh, Kyrie, Brooklyn. Brooklyn. I think that deal's done. We both think that. Yeah, and CP3. Oh, I always thought Phoenix, but I don't know. I guess now I'm just gonna have to say stays in Houston. That's a coward answer, though. I think there's more to come there on the CP3. I hope so. It's good to, t- good to talk to you as always. We'll do some more NBA stuff when the free agency uh, lights Thank on you, fire here in the next week. Uh, that's Kevin Walsh. You find him on Twitter at the Kevin Walsh to pick up with Kevin Walsh, his latest podcast. We'll talk to you again soon, Kev. Thanks.